Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly Weaver, and I'm the owner and operator of Rosebud Wellness, where I practice women's holistic health, utilizing acupuncture, Chinese herbalism, yoni steaming, and Arvigo abdominal massage. And I'm also a new mama. This podcast will be part information on women's holistic health practices that I use in my practice, and part conversations with women who are mothers or hope to be mothers on their journey through menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. Please enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you in part by the Rosebud Wellness Shop. You can find us over at rosebudwellness.com shop. On the shop, you'll find six different Yoni Steam herb blends for a variety of different conditions. You can read specifically about all of the ingredients that are in the herbal blends, what you would use them for, and some specifics about the days of your cycle that you would use the herbs. There's also a video for an at-home steaming guide so that you can feel confident that you know what you're doing before you embark on this journey. But if you also don't feel so comfortable just starting on your own, you can also sign up for a consult with me, which is also available at the shop. So go ahead and check out rosebudwellness.com shop. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I am bringing an interview podcast to you today with a woman that I met uh, through my podcasting community. So I don't know her personally, um, but we had such a great chat, so I'm really excited to share this with you today. She is a, a fellow new mama, um, became a first-time mom during the pandemic. Her um, son, Robin, is just a couple months younger than, than my daughter, so it was really fun to, to chat with her about her experience. Um, she has a really interesting story to share about how pregnancy impacted her and her relationship to her own body. Um, and then has a pretty scary experience um, of her hospital birth that I'm really happy that she was comfortable enough to share with us. But if you're a little bit squeamish, you might want to skip past that. Um, and just some interesting little tidbits to share about motherhood so far. So please enjoy this episode with Kayla. And also check out her podcast if you're a podcast junkie like me. It's called Parent Tell, and it's linked in the show notes. All right, enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. I am here today with Kayla, and she is uh, the voice behind the Parent Tell podcast. And I'm very excited to be chatting with her today. She also has a pandemic baby like me. Her, um, I don't know if it's a son or daughter. I have a son. His name is Robin. Robin. Um, he's 16 months old and, and my daughter's um, actually almost 18 months. So she'll be 18 months next week. Um, so we're just going to chat today about her period history, fertility, pregnancy, birth, little bits about motherhood. Um, so welcome, Kayla. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited um, to talk about all of these things because they all, they're all interconnected, you know, when you think about it. So Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah, great. So why don't we start off from the beginning? Um, how old were you when you got your first period? What was it like? What was the conversation like at school amongst your friends, um, in your family? Um, kind of just the whole 
whole picture of that. Um, so I'm pretty sure I was 11 when I got my first period. Um, and it's actually like, you know, it's fine now, but at the time it was definitely just like one of those Judy Bloom moments where you're just like, Oh, like poor girl. I was on vacation. Um, <laughs> and my parents are divorced. So my older sister and I were on vacation with my dad. It was like right after Christmas. Um, and we were in Quebec in Canada. And so like, you know, little 11 year old baby Kayla is, was not expecting this to happen. And I remember just like, you know, I wasn't that upset. It was more just like, oh, okay. Well, this is a little inconvenient right now. Um, I actually didn't tell anyone because I felt really uncomfortable telling my dad. Um, and I don't even think I told my sister. It was just very like, okay, this is happening. And I'm just going to deal with it on my own, which is probably a pretty common theme for me anyway. <laughs> she gotten her period already, your sister? Yeah. So she is, um, just shy of three years older than me. Yeah. So it's like, she was in high school. She was definitely like a menstruating person, but it was not necessarily something that we had talked about. So maybe that's why I didn't say anything. Um, but I literally used toilet paper and stuck it in my underwear. And it was like, thankfully, cause this did change for me. Thankfully it was like a super light and short period. So it wasn't a huge deal. Um, but I do remember we were supposed to go, so it was wintertime in Quebec. So like freezing, like lots of snow. And we were supposed to go snowboarding with, um, we were staying with my dad's friends and they have kids too. And I had cramps. And so I didn't feel like going and the, um, the mom, she, I don't think so in Quebec, the English and French are the predominant languages. And I don't think she, from what I remember, she didn't speak that much English and I didn't speak that much French. So we did have this language barrier, but I remember trying to like subtly explain like why I didn't want to go snowboarding. And I was just like, oh, I just like, I just don't feel good. Like, oh, my stomach hurts. And it was such a like nonverbal connection that we had. She looked at me and kind of like made a sad face and put her hand like on her lower abdomen mm. and just kind of like shook her head up and down. And I just looked at her and I just shook my head up and down. <laughs> so we just had this moment of like, is this? Yes, it is. Okay. I'm so sorry. Okay, cool. You don't have to go snowboarding. Like, okay, great. <laughs> Woman code. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's like, cool. I think that's why like, I don't necessarily see it as like this negative thing for me. Cause I do remember that moment very strongly like the relief of like, oh my God. Okay. Like someone else in this house who is an adult, like knows what's happening. I didn't have to say anything. It's just like this unspoken thing. Great. Like that was just a really nice moment to like almost just spare me, you know, like the embarrassment mm -hmm. of having like little 11 year old me in front of like strangers basically. And some of my family members like, well, I don't want to go because I have cramps because I just got my first period. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. then what about when you got home? Did you feel comfortable sharing with your mom or? I do. Really? Um, or I did. Sorry. I definitely, I know I told her, but I feel like I don't, I think she, she definitely like made it like, is, you know, this huge, like, oh my gosh, like so excited for you. And I was typical, like, stop, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> so it was definitely something I was just like, okay, like, okay, cool, cool. Like, just, can you give me what I need, please? And we don't stop, stop, stop. I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like that part 
own, like barely sticks out of my mind. Whereas like when it initially happened, the fact that I wasn't, you know, like it wasn't at my house, I was in another country. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and and I was, 11, I mean, it's pretty early. I guess, I guess, I guess now I think that, that girls are starting to menstruate a little bit earlier, but I mean, yeah, I, it seems a little early. Did you feel yeah. like you were one of the first of your friends? Yes. Out of my close friends, I definitely was. And I actually remember that my, one of my really close friends, like throughout middle school and high school, she didn't get her period until, I mean, at least two or three years later. Mm. And I remember like feeling, not feeling bad, but like not wanting to make her feel other than or less than. And I think she felt the same way, but I do remember her being very relieved when she got it. And I remember kind of like being that friend for her because I knew what it was like already. I'd been having my period for a couple of years. So I was like, like, cool, welcome. Like, come on in. Here are some products for you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure she appreciated that. Okay. And then did you ever go on birth control in any form or how did you manage your fertility until you decided you wanted to get pregnant? Um, so I started birth control, just the pill, uh, when I was 18, when I went to college and the reason I started it was because I had terrible cramps. Um, I mean, like day two of my period, like on the couch all day, um, I would get nauseous. I would get dizzy. Um, I almost like fainted a couple of times because the pain was just so bad. Um, and so knowing that I was going to be away from home. So like, you know, that summer before college, I told my mom, I just like, I, I can't do this like in general, let alone when I'm somewhere else, like in a college dorm, I think birth control might help. Can we go do this? So I went on it and it really did. I mean, for me, it made a huge difference in my pain level. Um, it also made my boobs explode. Mm. Um, and I already, you know, like, I think I was already predisposed to have large boobs. Like it was already going to happen anyway, but going from, I mean, I look at pictures of myself of like spring of senior year of high school before I went on birth control. And then a year later when I had been on birth control for almost a year, and it's like, holy crap. It just, it made them explode. I mean, I had people ask me as a 19 year old. Now I had people ask me if my boobs were real. Mm. Uh, yeah. And it just like, just very uncomfortable just for me because it ended, it kind of turned into this like unwanted attention and this weird, like semi slut shaming thing, like coming from myself and from other people, you know, um, which obviously is ties into like the patriarchy and like society and all that stuff. But, um, I was on birth control at the pill for probably about four years, four years, I think. Um, and then I stopped it cause I wasn't dating anyone. And it was kind of like, if I go off this, maybe my boobs like shrink down a little bit and maybe, you know, like, we'll see if my cramps like aren't so bad. We'll see how it is. Um, and it was actually, you know, like they shrunk a, the tiniest bit, but my cramps weren't that bad anymore. So, and I wasn't, again, I wasn't dating anybody, like wasn't concerned. I was just living my life in college, doing my thing. Um, I also was working too. So just like, you know, really busy living my life. Um, 
And then I went back on it. Um, I met my now husband on Tinder when <laughs> I met my husband on Tinder also. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. I mean, who would have thought, but I know. We are. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it used to be this thing. Like, did you used to not tell people or try to like avoid telling people? Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Totally. <laughs> now, now, now I'm just like, Oh yeah. Like no it's whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's who common cares? now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I met him when I was 22, but I was off birth control and, um, the way it worked out is so he's in the military. Um, on our second date, he told me he was going to be stationed in Okinawa, Japan. And so I was very much like, Oh, I'll literally never see you again. Like cool, cool, cool. Have a nice life. No, we ended up like doing long distance for, oh my God, for two years. Yeah. I went out there twice, went to Japan twice. Awesome. Um, and I went back on birth control because I obviously was not looking to have a child, even though I liked him a lot and, um, my boobs exploded again. Um, and at least this time I was expecting it. So it was more annoying. If anything, um, it was still just the pill. Um, and I, cause I was just kind of nervous. I had heard about IUDs. I just was a little nervous about it. Uh, my younger sister actually got the, is it the depot shot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it made her gain a lot of weight. Mm. So that, yeah. So for me, then I was like, okay, well, I don't really want to experience that. Like that's really difficult on your body image, you know, and on your mind. So I don't want to experience that. Mm-hmm. So I just stuck with the pill. Um, and I was on it until 2017. Um, by that point I was living with my, um, fiance boyfriend turned fiance. Um, and I just couldn't do, I couldn't do the boobs anymore. And I told him like, I'm, I'm done. Like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's so awful. Like they're already big in general, but just, I mean, at least one cup size bigger, like on birth control. Mm. And I was just so over it. And I guess did I never they thought, feel, did they feel ahead. painful or like heavy too, or, or just was the size really? I think they almost felt like swollen a little bit, Yeah, okay. just very, yeah. Like definitely very, or heavier than normal, I guess I mm-hmm. would say. Yeah. And looking back on it, it was very, and almost like top heavy. So like at the top, it was, um, I mean, constantly, you know, that like boob bubble that you get, like if mm-hmm. a bra is too small, I mean, I would have that, like, no matter what, mm-hmm. like they were just very like in your face, in my face. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I didn't want them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went off it and I actually have not been back on birth control since. So I have not been on any type of birth control since 2017. Um, I will be very frank and say that we use the pullout method and it's worked for us for four years. I've had one pregnancy, a desired pregnancy, and I'm good. So for me, you know, like, I'm not necessarily going to like tell an 18 year old that they should do that, but we found it works for us and it's fine. Um, and I'm actually getting breast reduction surgery next month. I was, I'm so curious. I don't want to like Oh no, you can, I don't care. I don't want to fast forward, but I I'm curious. I just am wanting to ask about breastfeeding and that experience, because that is like (sighs) a whole other thing, but I, I want to go in order so we don't miss anything. So, um, (laughs) 
maybe now since you kind of alluded to it, um, we can talk about fertility. Yeah. Um, because one of the things that I every pretty much everybody I've talked to has some story about like, oh, I thought we could get pregnant every day um, of our cycle. And then it's not until they're trying to get pregnant or much later in life in whatever capacity that they learn about cervical mucus and your fertile Mm -hmm. window and the temperature shift and things like that. So was that something that you became aware of and that informed your pullout method practice? Like you were more careful around that time or was it just kind of like he's pretty good at anything. He's got a a strong pullout game. (laughs) Um, he does one, but I think, um, in general, I was pretty aware because I was using, like I had a period app Mm -hmm. um, and they, you know, they not only like predict your period, but they tell you when your fertile window is. I do remember the first time I downloaded a period app was probably something like early college. And I think that's, I think that might be the first time I like truly started to understand the term like fertile window Mm -hmm. because it was right there in front of me. It literally was like, you know, these five to six days right there. And, um, that, you know, so that like, just kind of the information stuck with me. Um, and then when we decided that we wanted to actually try and have a kid, I looked a little bit more into it and, you know, yeah, like when is okay. So like, there's the window, let's make it narrower. Like when's the best time within that window. Um, while also trying to not like overanalyze it and enjoy it. And just like, it's going to happen when it's going to happen, which was easy for me and hard at the same time. Cause I have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, as soon as you start trying to have a baby every, like you see like pregnancy ads, like you see pregnant people everywhere. It's just like when you buy, you know, like a red Ford, literally all you see on the road is red Fords. So that was the part that made it difficult. Um, but I will say the best advice um, a medical professional ever gave me, I'm pretty sure is like the reason why we got pregnant, why I got pregnant so quickly. Um, I had to get a physical. So we had just moved, uh, to North Carolina where we live now. And I was working for a new school district. So I had to get a physical and she asked me if I was pregnant. I said, no. And I think I made a joke of like, not yet or something like that. And she was like, Oh, okay. You know, like, cool. And I ended up asking her, do you have any advice on trying to conceive? Like, is there, you know, like within that window, is there a specific time? She said, honestly, have sex every three days. And, you know, and I already knew that the sperm stays inside of your body. Now I'm going to say it incorrectly. It can be like five five days. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So she said, basically, if you do it every three days, like there will almost always be sperm in your body. So Mm -hmm. it's just the optimal experience if you want to have a baby. So I said, and no one had ever told me that specific advice before. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. And we started having sex every three days and I was pregnant probably, I mean, two weeks later. Um, Wow. And how long had you been trying to get pregnant before chatting with that woman or was it not very long? It was just two months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was a relatively short time. I also knew that like, again, it's a mind game. So like, if you stress out about it, you know, like cortisol is a very powerful, um, hormone in your body. So the more stress you have in there and potentially might lower your chances. So 
Um, we had actually just come back from our delayed honeymoon. So I do think that, you know, like sort of sort certain factors might've been at play that like I was extra relaxed and then I do pay attention to my body. And then this sweet heavenly angel told me this <laughs> advice and then I got pregnant, you know, and, um, I only have one kid. Um, as of right now, we have zero plans to have any other children. Um, so I can't say if, you know, like, I can't say if it's going to be just as easy the second time around or a completely different experience, which I know it can be, mm -hmm. but I definitely know that I was fortunate enough to kind of not really have any issues with it. And I will say like, if I know that a friend is trying to have a baby, I tell them that too. Mm -hmm. I say like, this is what someone told me. It worked for me. I got pregnant, literally have just have sex every three days and try to just stay relaxed about it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, for me, my first pregnancy symptom, I would say was nausea. And mm. the second one was the boob explosion situation. <laughs> so, and I, I do not usually have issues in that department. Um, it didn't disturb my life very much, but I can imagine for you, maybe it was like your experience on birth control, like way more even. So Pretty much, yeah. how, I mean, were you kind of just like, whatever, this is what I wanted. It's not going to be forever. Or did um, that kind of, I don't think so. My first, my first symptom was probably my boobs were the most sore mm -hmm. I've ever experienced. But at the same time, my boobs would normally be pretty sore for about a week before my period. Mm. So I was kind of like, mm. but they were like literally me just sitting down like that little movement. I'd be like, Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that should have just been like a warning, like, yep, it's going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, I would say other than the initial, um, probably like, I mean, three weeks that I knew I was pregnant when my boobs were still like really sore. Um, and there's this one picture of myself and my kindergarten teammates at the beginning of the school year. And like you can see the bubble, like the boob bubble. And I was, cause I was very, like, I was pregnant then. I just thought I maybe was about to have my period. Um, but I will say other than that, they didn't, it didn't really bother me. Mm -hmm. Um, they definitely, as they do, they got super big compared to when you're not pregnant. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything, but like an inconvenience. Cause I was like, are you kidding me? So you have to buy more bras. Mm -hmm. And then, it, you know, like, but these were so comfortable. And then, you know, um, I would say it was just an inconvenience to kind of have to like spend more money on more bras. I didn't necessarily put as much thought or any more thought into it than that. But again, looking at pictures, like I do remember <laughs> my boobs, were much more prominent than my belly was for a long time. <laughs> and it almost, you know, it was almost like the reverse of what you think it, I thought, or what I thought I was going to look like. Um, mm -hmm. and it wasn't until so my son was born in, uh, mid May and it wasn't until, um, February that like my belly started to surpass my boobs. And I remember like making a joke about it with my husband be like, look, like it's finally starting to go past my boobs. Like I can finally like see, see it over my boobs, which 
you know, like normally, I mean, even looking down now, like I can't see my stomach because I just see my boobs. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like a weird experience. Like, wow, I've never seen my stomach so easily before. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but it like going into breastfeeding that really did make it having such large boobs and, you know, like newborn, you know, like super tiny, it's just a mismatch of proportions. So it just makes it more difficult. Um, I ended up exclusively pumping for Mm -hmm. four months and that worked out for me. And I do unfortunately think it was largely due to, I mean, it was more comfortable for me. My son did have pretty severe lip and tongue ties. Um, and we got them, he got them lasered when he was nine days old. So chest feeding did work out a little bit better after that, but I will say, I feel like the lactation consultant that I saw didn't really know how to help someone who was trying to breastfeed or chest feed with large boobs. Mm. Um, uh, she told me to like roll diapers and like stuff that went my boob, you know, to like prop it up a little bit more. Cause obviously it's the angle is just completely different when you have more up there and like where the nipple is and all that stuff. And I feel like I would try that just didn't work. Um, I wish looking back on it, I wish I had known what a breast friend pillow was. Oh, um, I had one of those. See, I see. I never used had, it though. <laughs> oh, you should have mailed it to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I, I only yeah, had I liked, a boppy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I don't have the same, uh, large breast issue. Um, so I didn't end up like needing really anything. I would just hold her, but Ugh, the dream. Yeah, yeah. I had this like really ergonomically correct pillow. That's what it is, right? The breast friend pillow. Yeah. Yeah. It was oh yeah. It's almost really nice. like square. Yeah. 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 It was kind of, it, it reminded me of like a, a flotation tube that you yes. would wear around mm-hmm. or something. Um, yeah. But it was also like a Tempur-Pedic feeling to it, yes. like cushiony feeling. Yeah. So anyway, so I wish, yeah, I wish I had had, or I wish I had had one. I wish I had known what they were by the time I found out what it was, I'd already committed to exclusive pumping. And I was like, you know, like sucks, but this is what I'm doing. I'm good. Um, cause I do think that would have been a huge help with just essentially propping my boob up so that I could also have enough room for boob and baby on that one pillow, which with a bobby for me just didn't work. Mm. Um, So unfortunately I do think that like my boob size did hinder my chest feeding experience. And it is something that I really wanted to do. And then of course, being like freshly postpartum, everything, like you're just so vulnerable and everything hurts your feelings so much and your hormones are dipping. And so it was really, really hard for me. It was much more, um, mentally, like mentally and almost emotionally traumatic than I ever thought it was going to be, you know, it's, that's kind of, I definitely, one of the driving reasons behind why I started my podcast, because I just was like, why aren't people talking about this more? Like how hard breastfeeding is in general. And then like all of the things that you could get that potentially help you and how like your size is a huge factor, at least in the beginning, while the baby is just so tiny and brand, you guys are both brand new to this. Um, So I just wanted to have a place where we could just have those conversations and Mm -hmm. whether you're a parent or not, you can listen to them. 
Um, but I do remember the lactation consultant. She was very kind, but I do remember her verbally saying, and I feel like maybe she, maybe she didn't mean to say it aloud, or she didn't realize that like, again, lady, like I just had a baby. Can you not like, I already cry at least once a day, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, I remember her saying like, well, kind of like almost under her breath as she was like thinking pretty much like how to support me, how to help me. She's like, well, yeah. And you do like, you do have a large chest and that does make it a little bit more difficult. And it was just like, uh, cause I already knew that, but then to hear another person and a professional say that. So it was almost just like, okay, great. That's what I thought. So I guess like, I just can't do it then. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I never knew this either that that could potentially impact breastfeeding. I mean, it makes sense logically. Yeah. Yeah. Just logically. And like gravity. I always like, I always make jokes. Um, I always say like big trees fall hard. Like, and my boobs are very big trees. Like gravity is not my friend. And so like, you can't suffocate the baby underneath this giant boob. Yeah. Like just logistically, it's a lot to think about. And it's like, I knew that, but I didn't. And then again, you throw in like you're physically healing and you're just the first week obviously, you know, for everyone, but like the first week I remember was really hard for me. Um, cause it, I just, the hormones just like abandoned me and I was just so weepy. And I, in general, I'm not a crier. Like I don't really cry unless something is really, really bothering me. And I remember just being like, is this just how I am now? <laughs> like I just cry every day. <laughs> well, this is terrible. And then, you know, then you add in like nipple trauma and not feeling like you can provide for your kids the way that you wanted to. And then of course, you know, terrified to give him a bottle because then he's going to get used to that. And he's never going to chest feed ever again. You know, like all of these things that we unfortunately hear even mm-hmm. offhand, but we just hear for years and years and years. And so like, it's almost that they're like these, you know, written in stone things in our head. Once we become a parent, like, Oh, well, you can't use formula because you know, X, Y, Z. Um, and thankfully I don't believe any of those things anymore. Cause I know that they're not true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you can breastfeed chest feed for two weeks, do a bottle for a week. And like, babies are adaptable. Like you guys, you can do it, do what works for you. Um, but at the time I, you know, like it was just really difficult to feel like I was failing not only my kid, but also myself because my ex, you know, my expectations were way up here. And in reality, I, or at least I felt like I was falling way below my expectations for a long time. Um, you know, and even when I stopped, even when I made the decision to stop exclusively pumping, um, I felt guilty about that for a while. And I used to say, I only did it for four months. Oh, I just did it for four months. And then I stopped because I just was done. Um, but now I have like, I've removed the just, I've removed the only Mm. from my vocabulary because like four months is a long time. One, that's Mm -hmm. a third of a year. Mm -hmm. It's a long ass time. Um, and oh, sorry. Can I curse? Yes. Okay. Go for it. Curse freely. Okay. Um, and also, I mean, I guess maybe because I had bigger boobs, like I was a little bit of an oversupplier. Mm -hmm. So I mean, 
I almost thought about getting like a little mini freezer for all of the milk that I was able to save. And I mean, my son still received my breast milk long after I was done pumping because I managed to store up so much. So I've come a long way in like accepting it more and just being nicer to myself about it. Um, which like in general is hard. And then when you become a mom, you just like, you're so much harder on yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say last night, so I guess I was really upset that this conversation happened last night, but now that we're talking, I'm glad that it happened. So just last night, um, one of my close friends is pregnant and she's due in late October and we're not as close anymore. It's actually the friend who got her period a couple of years mm. after me. Um, we're not as close anymore, partially because we don't live near each other anymore, but I sent her the, um, the freedom mom, uh, labor and delivery kit. Mm-hmm. And I had that when I went to the hospital and I feel like I've recommended it to everyone. And I just, it was, I saw it was on her registry. And so I text her, I said, put this on your registry so I can buy it for you, please. Um, so she got it and she sent me a picture saying, thank you. And we somehow ended up talking about breastfeeding and chest feeding. And I was very much like trying to remain super neutral because I'm very aware that it's her choice, whatever choice she decides. And it's none of my business and whatever she would like to share with me. I am lucky that she's sharing and I'm more than happy to listen, but it's not my journey. So I can, you know, say what I did. I'm not going to tell her what to do. Um, and I ended up saying that I exclusively pumped and her response in general told me that she didn't really know what it was, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just quickly explained like, no, it's actually this. And her next sentence was, oh, so you didn't chest feed at all. And I just like, I told my husband as we were sitting there, like about to play Mario Kart. And I was like, hold on, I just need to send this one more time. <laughs> test. I said, honestly, like it's a sentence like that. I just feel like this is such a stressful season for me right now. And like, I'm so burnt out from us basically parenting all by ourselves for the last 16 months mm-hmm. that a sentence like that just makes me want to cry. I feel like a sentence like that takes me back to a year ago, like last September when he was what, four months, barely four months. And I was still very insecure about exclusive pumping and just feeling very vulnerable about it. And so I just stared at the sentence for a long time. And I know she didn't, she had zero malice behind it. She didn't mean it in a mean way. She was just trying to clarify, but I, it just kept like gnawing at me and I ended up, so we like had, you know, another conversation basically. And I just kind of went back and I just said like, Hey, I know you didn't mean this in a mean way, but, um, that sentence was actually just like hurtful and kind of triggering for me. Um, I unfortunately had a really hard time initially, you know, like figuring out chest feeding and then not being able to do it. I felt like a failure for a long time. Um, and so it's just like, just that sentence just kind of messed with me a little bit. And I said, you know, like, I really hope that whatever you decide to do works out. And I hope you don't have as hard of a time as I did and kind of just like, just so you know, like if you meet any other exclusive pumpers, don't say that Mm -hmm. just like, just don't say it. Cause 
they could be the most confident person in the world. And you're just, yeah, it's just a really sensitive, vulnerable subject. Um, and unfortunately she did not receive what I said. Well, um, and I mean this, like I've known her since we were nine, um, I'm 30. So known her for a very long time. Um, and she kind of like, there was no apology. No, just like, Oh shit. Sorry. I didn't like, I didn't know that. And like, cause how would she, she has yet to experience it. Like, how would she know? It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I really wanted was just like, Oh crap. Sorry. I didn't know. Let's move on. Instead, she kind of doubled down and was just like, I mean, I'm not judging you on how you fed your child. I think like based on everything else that you and I have talked about, that would have been clear. I don't know how else to ask a clarifying question. And so I sat there with my husband because I very like, you know, like when you can just, especially such a vulnerable thing, I was very, very easily, I was about to dive in and be like, well, honestly, I don't know how to make you understand it because you haven't experienced it yet. And I know you're not going to understand it until you experience it. So why don't you hit me up in two months and tell me if your answer and your attitude is still the same because mm. it fucking won't be. So that's what I really wanted to say to her, <laughs> but I didn't. Um, cause I sat there and I like, you know, vented out, vented out with my husband, figured out what I was going to say. And I ended up just saying, um, Cause I, we kind of, he was like, well, why are you like, why is this bothering you? And I said, I guess the reason why, sorry, if you just heard my son scream in the background, he woke up from his nap. (laughs) Um, I said, I guess why it's bothering me is because she is my friend and she said something that's hurtful. And I, we all know how hard it is to stand up to our friends. Like it's harder to stand up to your friend than it is to a stranger. So like, I kind of stood up for myself and just said like, Hey, I know you didn't mean it. And I know you don't know, and it's not on you, but like that statement was hurtful to me. Just be like, maybe don't say that to other exclusive bumpers in the future. Um, and so I ended up just saying like, okay, well, I'm just letting you know that what you said as a friend was hurtful to me. Um, again, it's not about feeling judged because I didn't feel judged. It's just a really, um, vulnerable and heavy topic, uh, to become a food source for someone. And I had a really hard time with it. So that sentence just hurt my feelings. Um, I said, you know, words have power and it's about being mindful and aware of the words that you're using as we collectively speak to each other in motherhood. Yeah. And I mean, I, this, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I, I think that it is such an important topic that, that breastfeeding doesn't just come super easily to everybody. And actually it's not so common that it does come easily. Right. Um, and even if it is something like for me, I, it did like happen pretty easily, but I still had some pain. I had a lot of oversupply and leaking and it, and right now I'm nursing a toddler and it's this whole other experience of like, stop touching my nipples. (laughs) 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 I need to like have my own space. And yeah, um, it's, it's important. That's part of the purpose of this podcast is to, um, raise awareness around like that, like you said, your words have power and the things that you say to people, like could, if they strike a chord, 
if somebody says something about it, just to be, take that feedback with grace of like, okay, I'm going to be more mindful in the future when I talk about this topic with other people and like in particular with that person. I mean, because yeah, like you're saying it's, I mean, for me, breastfeeding wouldn't particularly be a huge trigger, but there's other things that would be, you know? And so it's anybody that's in my life, I appreciate if they can just be mindful about talking, bringing those things up for yeah. Um, it's not just, about yeah. like, you know, like, it's not like, Oh, like poor me. Like it's not attention seeking. It's just about bringing awareness to what you're saying and how you're saying it. And, and I told my husband this, you know, like if the rules have been reversed, like before I had my son, I would have like, not, you know, I would have not really understood that I would have totally typed the same sentence mm-hmm. and not thought twice about it, but just once you go through the experience, it changes the way you see everything. And it also just makes you more aware of making sure that you're speaking to someone in a respectful way. Because like you said, like we all have our own triggers of what we went through. And even though you could be, it could be your very best friend, you still don't know, you know, like, or they had a really easy time with breastfeeding, but like, a terrible time with sleep training or they didn't want to sleep train. And then you make a comment about that, you know? So it's just, I was just trying to say, like, you said it to me, like, I'm your friend. Cool. So like, I will kind of call you out and just say like, Hey, in the future, don't say that Mm -hmm. to other people. And also like, welcome, welcome, welcome. Very glad that you're having a kid, like super cool. But if you would like to be in at least my motherhood group, you can't fucking say shit like that and then not understand why someone is kind of confronting you about it. Yeah. So I mean, she never texted me back. Um, (laughs) and I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I might try and call her in a day or two and just be like, you know, such an old friend, like, look, I don't like where we left it. Like I, you're not wrong and I'm not wrong. I just, think that you might feel differently about this very soon. And I was just trying to let you know, like, in case you ever talk to anyone else, just be mindful of what you're saying, because you could be triggering someone and not even realize it. And that doesn't mean it's your fault. It just means we all have our stuff. So just like, keep that in mind when you're talking to people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I cut you off. No, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I just think it's important for, for people to recognize. And like you were saying, there's so many, I mean, even with having such a young child, there's been so many times already that I'm like, am I doing it wrong? Am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's just like ongoing for the rest of our lives, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I think <laughs> you can either do it your way. Um, and like be worried about everybody's perspective on what you're doing, or you can just go for it and try your best and learn from your mistakes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's so important that we don't feel judged by other moms, but I will say that there are things that, because my sister had a, a child well before me and most of my friends did too. I was kind of like the late bloomer And there were so many things that I was like, oh, I wouldn't do that that way, or I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And and it's like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand. Yeah. 
Um, and it's such a huge, and that's like, again, why I knew she didn't mean anything by it. It's yeah. just one of those things that you are not, you're just not, you're not going to fully understand it in the way that we understand it right now mm-hmm. until you're in it. And I also, but I also didn't want to be like that person to say that to her, like, oh, you just wait. Oh, like, oh, you'll get it. Like, eh, you know, yeah. I didn't want to put that out there either. So it was kind of hard to like, how do you make someone understand something that, you know, they're just not going to understand until after they have their baby. Right. So I feel like that's why it was, it was very hard for me to like figure out how to respond and I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'll keep you updated. Let's yeah, know. please do. <laughs> um, so we kind of breezed through like pregnancy and birth. Is there anything you wanted to share about your pregnancy or your birth experience that you just kind of want to chat about? Um, I will say that among, you know, all of the physical symptoms of like the lightning crotch and like the restless leg syndrome and the like knee cramps. Um, the hardest thing for me was not having any control over my physical appearance. Mm. Um, and that was not something that I had thought about before. You know, it was just one of those things I didn't see coming. And then all of a sudden I was just having a really hard time with it. I mean, I do have one memory of my husband and I were about to drive to his brother's house two hours away for Thanksgiving. And I was trying to get dressed. I am not like, didn't used to take me a long time to get dressed before being pregnant. I would stand there in our closet and reach for the things that like, you know, like, oh, I know this looks good on me. And then only to find out, obviously my body looks very different right now. So that shirt doesn't look the way I want it to look the way I'm comfortable with it looking anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had a really hard time with accepting the fact that my body was basically changing without my permission and there was nothing I could do about it. I will say that, you know, cried to my husband in the closet, probably at least twice. And just saying like, I just feel so different. And I, you know, people who knew me before I was pregnant, I just like, don't want to be on the receiving end of questions, comments, positive or negative. I just didn't want anyone to talk about my body Mm -hmm. because I did not feel comfortable with it. Um, and you know, like basically a moving target when you're pregnant Mm -hmm. visibly. Oh yeah. Everybody wants to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah. So thankfully though, I will say like my closest friends and like my family members, they honestly pretty much never really said anything. And that's not what I was expecting, but it was amazing to just not hear anything. It was, it made me feel more, a little more normal, you know, in those moments where it's like, okay, good. So we don't have to talk about how big my boobs are right now. And the fact that like, I have to get help to get out of the chair, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I feel like it wasn't until I would say month seven that I was more comfortable with how my body looked. Um, cause you know, it had been a while. So I had some time to get used to it. Um, and I was able to kind of just accept like this, you know, like this is what it is. This is what I wanted to like, I think that's such a powerful thing that, um, my, one of my former therapists said to me, and I feel like I see it on social media often, like remember when you used to pray and wish for what you have now. Mm-hmm. 
And that was definitely a humbling moment where it's like, this is literally what I wanted. So I have to just kind of let go, stop trying to have control over it and know that it's okay. And it's not forever, but also that like, if everyone else thinks I look so beautiful, like I should think I look beautiful too. And looking back on pictures now, I'm not picking myself apart. I'm not like, oh, my boobs are so big, except for this one picture where I'm just like, damn. Um, (laughs) um, You know, like I look at pictures of myself when I was pregnant. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, like so cute. Like, oh, like so fun. Like what a nice like memory Mm -hmm. to see, you know? So it's, but when you're in it, sometimes it does maybe like bring up body image issues that you didn't know you had. Cause that was the experience for me. Yeah. I mean, I think more than like the external experience, it's like the internal experience of just being so much like larger and heavier than you're used to Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. It's like this visceral feeling that you can't see in a picture and people can't like to look at you. They, they don't know how it feels to be inside of that. Yeah. 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 And then of course that, you know, like that goes into like fat shaming in our society. And like, that is a huge reason why pregnant people feel that way because, you know, we unfortunately grow up hearing subliminal or direct messages about how, you know, being big is bad. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden when you're big, even if it's because you're pregnant, yeah. you know, a lot of our initial instincts is like, holy fuck. Well, I'm so ugly. or like, this is bad. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like it took months, pretty much seven months for mm-hmm. me to accept how I looked and to feel okay with it. And that was, you know, like, I don't even want to get into like postpartum body image issues. Cause that's a whole different yeah. thing for a lot of people, including myself. Yeah. Um, it just, it takes time. And unfortunately, most of us don't necessarily want to like give our bodies time or give our minds time. We just want to be comfortable right now because being uncomfortable is really, really hard physically and mentally. Yeah. Yeah. So, and what about the, the birth? Was it pretty um, straightforward or? I feel like it was pretty run of the mill, I guess, you know, my only oh. one. <laughs> yeah. How many weeks were you? And did you I, go into labor naturally or? I did. Um, I was 41 weeks. So he was born exactly one week after his due date. Mm-hmm. Um, I did make, I had made an appointment to be induced um, the day that he ended up being born. So I went into labor the day before. Mm -hmm. Um, and I almost was like, okay, like, I know if I make the appointment, then most likely like I'll go into labor by myself and it'll be Mm -hmm. fine. Um, it was, you know, again, COVID, um, you know, we knew that I knew that at least my husband, Jimmy would be able to be there with me. And, you know, cause like, again, you gave birth there on the same time, like reading about people having to give birth alone because it was just unsafe to have any, uh, support people there because of COVID. Um, so I at least was happy that he was going to be there. And actually I didn't, I had already told, you know, like I'm not super close with my mom and, um, Jimmy's really close with his mom. And she, I feel like sometimes she wants to like mom me because Mm -hmm. I'm not super close with my mom. Mm -hmm. And so I had to like nicely tell her like, no, like I'm, I'm good. The only person who I want in there is Jimmy. And that's, who's going to be there. And I'm fine. That's, I don't want anybody else. Um, I was in, I started labor here at my house. Um, I had been bouncing on that bouncy, bouncy ball, the exercise mm-hmm. ball for a week. I was eating the dates. Mm-hmm. I was eating the spicy hot Cheetos. 
I was going on the walks. Um, and I was starting to get very impatient, mostly because basically everybody's texting you like, Hey, you still mm-hmm. pregnant. And you're like, yes. Yep. <laughs> and just leave me alone, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you don't hear from me, that's when, you know, I'm busy having a baby. Okay, great. Um, and my husband was at work and I started having like pretty light contractions. And so I called him like, just heads up, you know, like you're not probably not going to come up for a couple hours, like just heads up. And so of course he like goes and tells his boss, like my wife's in labor. I have to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he left work and came home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was pretty much just hanging out for a while. Um, they started to get a little more intense, uh, as like the evening came, they probably started around like 3 PM, I would say. And by 9 PM, I was very much like, I'm going to go lay on the couch. Like, no, I am. No, I don't want anything to eat. Like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm just going to go over here and focus and like, leave me be. Um, because my plan was to have no, um, medical interventions. Um, not how it ended up, which again, that's another thing you have to make your peace with, which I have totally fine. Um, we went, we left for the hospital prior on like 1230s, like right after midnight. Um, and it was so funny because I called, you know, like, Hey, we're coming. And, um, they said, call when your contractions are three to five minutes apart. Mm -hmm. And I was around like three to four minutes. And so I called and they were really slammed, which we had no idea considering like how quiet the floor was. Mm. Um, but I feel like my only indication was the nurse on the phone was definitely like, what do you need girl? Like, come on. And mm-hmm. I was like, so, you know, as I'm like taking my time, like, so my contractions are like maybe about every three to four minutes. Um, and I was kind of waiting for her. Cause again, first kid, you know, I was waiting for her to be like, all right, like, come on in. <laughs> so mm-hmm. she goes, so are you coming in? <laughs> like lady, I don't like, you tell me, am I coming in? So I was just like, yes, question mark. And she's like, okay, great. How far away do you, and you know, like we live, uh, I gave birth on the military base and we live like 10 minutes away. She's like, okay, great. And she like hangs up on me. Um, and I ended up getting an epidural. Um, the, I was falling asleep in between contractions. Um, and they were probably coming like every two minutes when I checked into the hospital, I was five centimeters. Uh, when I got the epidural, I was about eight centimeters. Um, I pretty much got the epidural, like at the very last possible time I could have gotten it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, the exhaustion is what really got me. And my husband, I was on, um, another exercise ball. My husband was behind me, you know, like supporting me. And he said, um, later he was like, I honestly, like you were scaring me because you were like, I thought you were passing out because you would literally go to sleep in between the contractions. Um, and I just, I was trying to hold out, I was trying to hold out mentally such a hard, you know, like it's such a mental game. Mm -hmm. And I, and I knew that, but I was just mentally, I was done. And so I said, yep, please. Like I'm ready. Give me the epidural. Um, I looked at the nurse who was just, I had a really great nurse. Um, and I looked at her and I started to cry and I just said, I, I can't, like, I can't do this. I don't think I can do this. And she looked at me and she said, you're doing it. Yes, you can. 
And then she was like, okay, now sit still. Cause you can't move while they're putting the needle in your back. <laughs> and I'm like, so I through two, I remember through two big ass contractions. I just squeezed the shit out of my husband's hand and mm-hmm. stayed very still. And the, um, the guy who inserted the needle was super quick. And after that, I was like, oh, all right. How are you guys doing? Like, Hey, how's it going? (laughs) It was, yeah. So for me, I was like, wow, science is awesome. (laughs) Like, this is amazing. Like what? I literally went from like tears to like, can I have a popsicle please? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was awesome. Um, but of course, as is natural, it definitely slowed down my labor. Mm. Um, in total, I was in labor for 16 hours, 17 hours. Mm. Um, and I remember the nurse at the time, she was like, Oh, like you're doing pretty good. And that's like for a first timer, that's pretty like relatively short time for a first timer. And I was like, Oh, okay, sure. Um, I, um, ended up giving birth agile, all good. Um, had a second degree tear, um, couldn't feel a thing. So I was fine, but also it was very hard initially to figure out how to push when you are numb from like your lower rib cage down. <laughs> so yeah, it was I mean, just can like, you even tell like what you could feel? Feeling? So like I could feel pressure. Okay. It didn't hurt. I could just feel pressure. Um, and she, cause she had told me like, you'll know, like, please tell me when you feel basically like you need to take a giant poop because mm-hmm. that's when he is finally like in the best position. So we need to get you ready to push. Um, I feel like they should tell you that in pregnancy, that it feels right? so much like pushing out a big poop because yeah. I felt concerned. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, I feel like this is not where I'm supposed to be feeling it. I, I wish that somebody <laughs> had informed me. And then now everybody that I talk to, they're like, oh yeah, it's like taking the biggest poop of your life. I'm like, yeah noted <laughs> just like the biggest like most constipated you're just like wow all right we're doing this pooping yeah. out a baby yeah um exactly. yeah so I pushed for almost two hours exactly mm-hmm. um I tried I wanted to try more positions than I ended up trying and it was just because I was numb so like literally <laughs> if I was um I had the peanut ball in between my legs for a little while like right before I started pushing and my husband lifted up like my top leg let go fell right back down you know and he was like you really I was like no like I literally can't I don't know what to tell you like I can't lift my legs up um so I wanted to use like the squat bar I tried Mm -hmm. but just not having that lower stability it was really hard um I tried on my side for a little while which worked ish um but then his heart rate dropped a little bit so I ended up like standard like on my back my husband holding one leg, the, um, one of the residents holding the other leg. And it was so funny. They were both of them. And the resident was a man as well. So invested. And it was just like very invested in the counts because, um, yeah. So the nurse was like, okay, like one, two, three push. You're going to go, go for 10 seconds. And I could tell that both of them were like holding their breath. While while I was pushing, and I think I said something like solidarity. Yeah, like I appreciate it. Like, are you guys okay? Yeah. (laughs) So it was very funny to like. Okay, like I feel very supported right now, but like it's funny that you guys are also like, no, you need to breathe, please, because you're holding my leg, and I can't hold my leg myself. Um, and 
um, it was fine. Uh, they put my son on my chest and I asked purposely, like, can you put him on my stomach? Because I know instinctively he will crawl up to my boob, um, which happened. And like, that was really cool. Like, oh my God, they were like, the books were right. They really do do that. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome. And then they were like still down there. sewing me up for a while. And I was like, hmm. like, okay. Like, I don't know. What do I know? Never had a kid before. Um, and then like another doctor came in, then another doctor came in and then I'm watching my husband watch them as he's trying to like, okay, what's going on. Also like trying to keep calm. And, you know, fortunately I, I mean, was pretty much just only paying attention to Robin. Mm-hmm. I knew could see like, okay, they're still down there. It's been minimum like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like, Hmm. Um, I, ended up, I had two tears in my cervix. Um, and one of them they could pretty much see and the other one they couldn't. So they, it was just one of those things where like, we're not hundred percent sure, but during that entire time I was bleeding pretty profusely. Um, it was for two hours. So I laid there like, you know, with my son while they were trying to figure it out, um, for two hours. So I and lost placenta already come out. Yeah. It came out like, yeah, I remember that was, yeah. Like, okay. It it was one of those, like, that was like a baby poop, you know, like just mini pressure. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and I think it, maybe they were also trying to check and see like, were there any pieces left trying to make sure it was completely out. Mm -hmm. Um, and then this wonderful surgeon came in, but she was like at least the fifth doctor and like the 10th medical person to be in the room. But she was very like, okay, like, what are you guys doing? Like what's happening here? And I do remember, cause both Jimmy and I, my husband kind of looked at each other. She was like, she kind of said something like, and this has been happening for how long? And when they said like, oh, it's been, you know, like an hour 45 or something like that. She was like, what are we doing? Like, she was like, no, like, okay, no, like she needs to go to surgery. Like, what are we doing? Um, so I ended up, oh my gosh, this is another experience I will never forget. So in order for them to access um, my cervix, which I think one of the tears was just really deep in there. So, um, have you ever seen like, like a, like a meat factory and how they hang the mm. like giant pieces of meat, like by hooks from the ceiling. <laughs> so that was me, except my legs were the meat and oh, like wow. my, yeah, like my mid back and up was still on the surgical table, but everything else was literally suspended in the air in order for them to get the right angle. Um, and so, but my legs were in like compression, you know, like every now and then they were like pulsing to keep the blood flowing, still had the epidural. So like, wasn't feeling anything. Fortunately, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize that I was in shock until much later because it was just one of those things where like, okay, we're going to take it to surgery. And I was just like, okay. And I like handed the baby to Jimmy and I just like literally waved by as they're like wheeling me in the bed. I was just like, well, you get to be the first one to spend solo time with the baby. Like, Oh, see you later. <laughs> and they, uh, had to give verbal consent to the surgery because I couldn't sign. Uh, there's just no time essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't want me to lose any more blood. And I do remember though, I kind of stopped the surgeon right before. And I was like, I'm so sorry can you tell me what you're doing just one more time? And the look on her face, like girl, like this is like serious. And that's how I knew I was in shock. Like when I thought about it later. Um, so she told me like, you know, you have at least one laceration. We just can't get to it. 
we have to do this essentially exploratory surgery. Did um, they say what maybe caused it or is it kind of just from so pushing and I think it's a combination of from pushing and then just like maybe the way his head was like mm-hmm. while I was pushing. Um, I know one other person who had a cervical tear, uh, when they gave birth to their first child. So mm-hmm. I think it's like not super uncommon, but it's not necessarily really that common. Um, mm-hmm. the surgery was an hour maybe. Um, and they gave me like a little baby shot of epidural basically to make sure like I stayed numb, mm-hmm. um, and a little morphine. And then they wheeled me back to the labor room. And I was there for like 30 minutes for moving up to recovery. Um, but I had allergic, I guess an allergic reaction or just some sort of reaction to the morphine. Um, I know just a lot happened afterwards and it's like, it was like semi-traumatic, you know, like everybody's definition of trauma is different and like rightfully so. Um, I don't think I processed how traumatic it was for me until, I mean, like six months later when it kind of hit me, um, or when I would tell other people this story and I would see the looks on their faces, that is what would tell me like, oh shit. Okay. I guess this, like, this was serious. Like I, this was scary. Um, I, uh, yeah. So I had an allergic reaction to the morphine. I actually ended up like projectile vomiting. Mm. Um, thankfully I wasn't holding my son at the time. Um, so combined with like losing blood, for hours and then having a reaction to the morphine, I was really, really out of it, um, for the next like 12, 15 hours. Um, like it was really hard for me to stay awake, uh, because you know, like your body's just so exhausted in general, hello, just had a baby. And then also I just lost all that blood. So my body was really depleted. Um, I remember I felt so bad, but I like was falling asleep while one of the lactation consultants who was, you know, on the recovery floor was in our room talking to us. Like I was just so, so out of it. Mm. Um, and they had me on a few like different IVs because of the blood loss. Um, and they did say like, you might just feel a little worse than you would normally just because you lost so much blood. Mm. Um, so that part was really, really hard. Um, you know, like it was, I feel like it was fine. And then I gave birth and it was fine, but it wasn't fine, you know? Um, and it wasn't until just recently I was at a doctor appointment, completely unrelated to my kid, unrelated to my cervix. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're looking through my medical history and, um, the guy just very offhand asked, uh, have you had any other surgeries recently other than, um, the cervical surgery due to your hemorrhage? And he just like threw it out there. Mm. I just was like stunned in silence for a second, like to hear it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I recovered quickly and I said no, but I thought about it for like the rest of the day to hear just again, to hear someone else say, oh, you hemorrhage and you had surgery because you hemorrhaged Mm -hmm. made me, I think like finally come to terms with how serious it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and, and that was literally like two months ago. Mm-hmm. So it took almost like a full year, essentially, or a little longer than a full year, which is wild. Yeah. I mean, even when you were initially sharing about it, it was kind of just like, oh, and then I was bleeding and yeah. I didn't realize the severity <laughs> of it 
sometimes like the further you go and yeah that does sound traumatic and I I'm I'm curious to hear what your postpartum phase was like um I know you kind of mentioned a little bit before that there were some tears um was there anything in particular that you needed to do differently because of the surgery or um they told me that I needed to really take it easy in terms of even just walking for the first couple of days. And I'm a very active person normally. Um, and again, still being like in shock about it. So I did take it easy, but I do remember we went on a neighborhood walk. Um, and the next day I looked at my husband, I was like, yep, shouldn't have done that. Mm. I was like, she was right when she said that I needed to take it easy. And I how actually, did you, how did you know that you lost more blood or no, I was just like really tired. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then again, obviously sore because obviously sore because I just had a baby, but, um, definitely just felt like it's kind of hard to explain. It was almost like a not abdominal soreness, but I'm sure at the location of my cervix, it was probably just like, okay, girl, you need to not do that. Do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we actually saw the surgeon, um, as we were checking out of the hospital and I was sitting, waiting for my husband. He went to go get the paperwork that you have to fill out for a social security card and birth certificate and all that stuff. And she recognized me and, you know, me just like still kind of out of it. And like, everybody's wearing masks too. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, it took me a second to recognize her and she was coming in for her shift, I think. And she was just like, hi, like, I'm glad I, glad I saw you. And she was just like, take care of yourself. Like, just make sure you take it easy. Like you're fine, but like, make sure you take it easy. And that was really nice that like, she saw me and she stopped and said something. Um, cause again, to have, you know, so many, you always know it's not a good sign when you have way more doctors and medical professionals in the room than regular people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my husband, and I always talk about how, like, she was just really professional and also just really kind. And she, you know, took 30 seconds to stop and just say like, basically like, Hey, I remember your cervix. Yeah. Take it easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. That's yeah. There's some gems out there. Yeah, I know they exist. Yeah. So, um, I want to just be respectful of your time. So we should start wrapping up a little bit, but if there's anything you want to share about your experience of motherhood so far, um, kind of things that have surprised you or how it's changed your perspective on life or you in any way. Yeah. Um, I actually, one question that I always ask every single guest on my show, if they are a parent is how has being a parent changed you as a person? Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like that's something I think about all the time. Um, I will say being a parent, being a mom, it's, the best way to describe it, it's the most bittersweet experience where it's just like so cool and you're so happy, but at the exact same time, it is so hard mm -hmm. and it is testing you in ways that you never saw coming. Um, and then like, you're so happy that they're getting bigger, but then you're also like, oh, are you like, no, can you not? Yeah. So it's just, it's such a polarizing experience. Um, I think it's made me more, um, more aware of the fact that ultimately like 
what I feel and think and what my husband feels and thinks ultimately that's all that really matters, you know, like other, what other people have to say in terms of advice or suggestions or opinions doesn't really matter as much as, you know, it probably used to matter to me two, three years ago. Um, and I also think I have a easier time advocating for myself and, um, you know, like that text message incident with my friend from last night, I think is a huge example. Um, and while, even while it was happening, I was like, wow, this is definitely like, yeah, this is a huge way that I have changed because two years ago, I either wouldn't have said anything or I would have had such a difficult time saying something so that I didn't hurt her feelings. And, you know, and then I would have ended up just like neglecting my own. Um, so I think I've become just like more in tune with myself and also less apologetic for, um, how I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to like, it's hard to explain, you know, cause like I, I, was, I felt like I was like that before. Like, that's not necessarily like a super huge change. Like I was never, you know, like a super meek person, but having like the responsibility of someone else's life in your hands and they literally, like they look at you and they depend on you for everything. And they're looking at you and think like, you're the best thing ever. And you know what to do at all times just kind of makes you. I don't know. It just makes it easier to see when you don't like a situation or it doesn't reflect your values or it's not important to you. And it makes it easier to just be like, yeah, this is how it is for me. I'm sorry. You know, maybe it doesn't align with you, but, um, I'm good. I'm going to stay, stick with my convictions. Yeah. I think it has, has helped me to sort of like prioritize things and relationships that, you know, like having a child, and the amount of energy that goes into that, like both physically and emotionally, it's just like, you don't have a lot of like leftover for yes. any bullshit. It's just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like where, where you expend your energy is, um, you're super selective with it because you have to be, cause it's finite. Yeah. Yeah. So um, maybe to finish up, if you can just share um, where people can find you um, on social media and then also your podcast, yeah, your website, so, podcast and Instagram or any other social media platforms where you're most active. Yeah. So my podcast is called Parent Tell. It's like show and tell, but with parents, um, you can find me on Instagram at Parent Tell. Uh, just smush those two words together. The website is parenttellpod.buzzsprout.com. Um, so we're available on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Amazon music, Google, you know, all of them, literally all of them. Yes. I have clicked. Yes. I want to be on this directory in this directory. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's just me. Um, and I'm talking with a different person each week and, uh, you know, we're talking about anything having to do with pregnancy, postpartum, uh, parenthood, and all walks of parenthood, uh, super inclusive, safe space. Um, we're also highlighting maybe the stories or the parenting experiences that aren't as mainstream. Um, we're talking about, um, like miscarriages, you know, there's heavy topics. Um, 
There are lighter episodes, mini episodes. I call them baby sodes, um, where most of the time it's just my husband and I reading stuff that you have, that people, listeners have sent in and us just like laughing and reminiscing about it. Um, but it's just a safe space for anyone to feel like they can share their experience. And, you know, as a listener, I always tell listeners, like, take what you need from it because that, you know, like that's going to end up being what works out best for you. If you're listening to an episode and you're like, oh my God, yes, yes. Oh yes. Then that's great. And if you listen to the next episode next week and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that, but like, that's, you know, like that doesn't have anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. That's cool too. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's been a really nice, uh, way for me personally to kind of like build a community and feel just a little less alone during becoming a first-time parent during a pandemic, for sure. Um, I've been doing it for, I was thinking about it, doing it for 10 months now. Um, it was last November that I started it. And I feel like because of the podcast, I am much more comfortable talking about how hard this is, but how amazing it is at the same time. And I feel um, like I'm not, yeah, like I'm not as alone. And I know that like, if I post something on the Instagram story, like, oh my God, dude, like if he grabs my legs while I'm standing here one more time, like I'm going to like, stop touching me. Yeah. Um, I know, <laughs> like, I know a bunch of people are going to respond like, oh yes, me too. Mm-hmm. And you know, like we all want those, like, yes, me, like you too. Oh, me too. We all want those moments. And I feel like being a parent in general, feels like those moments don't exist a lot. And then also becoming a parent during the pandemic where you just are like literally very isolated Mm -hmm. from other people. Um, and then your kid is isolated from other people. It's tough. So for me, it's been an awesome experience. Um, I love talking to anyone and everyone. Um, the next upcoming episodes are going to be about, um, the IVF IUI experience, um, co-parenting, um, you know, as a child of divorce, I was very interested in that episode. I have a, I feel like a special stake in like making sure I don't get divorced, obviously. So we kind of talk about like the baggage that you bring to a relationship when you've watched, you know, like one of the most supposedly important relationships in your childhood life kind of disintegrate. Um, and then I also know my husband and I need to remind him that we need to do this. We need to record the next baby sode, which is going to be about the eighties and nineties, just like childhood shenanigans and like how we thought all of these things were okay. And now as a parent in the 21st century, you're just like, what? Like the car, like if you, if you Google like a car seat from like 1989 you're just like i'm sorry what am i alive yeah (laughs) (laughs) and like they got milk campaign like let's all just chug milk all day every day because if we don't then these poor children are just gonna stay very short and just like break all their bones yeah such a very yeah it's a very strange time now that we're out of it so um you know like it's light you know we're not always talking about dark things but we are talking about just everything that's real Cool. Yeah. Everybody check it out. It sounds awesome. I'm going to go subscribe to it right now. (laughs) Yay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you again so much, Kayla, for, for being here today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been so nice to kind of like, again, I've never talked about, um, like, I guess like my period history with, um, that many people before. And then, uh, you're actually the first like stranger, I would say, (laughs) 
I mean, because like, I've never met you in real life, Yeah, totally. <laughs> but you're the first stranger, um, that I've actually told about my breast reduction surgery happening next month. I've kept that like pretty close to my chest, no pun yeah. intended, um, <laughs> <laughs> because again, it's a vulnerable thing. So it's yeah. been nice to kind of just feel like, you know, I always try to be the one who's providing the safe space. So it's been nice to kind of like the safe space has been provided for me. And now yeah. I can just, yeah. So thank you. Of course. Happy to hold space. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you'll be notified of future episodes as they're published. And also, if you feel so called, please give us a rating and a review to help other people to find the podcast more easily. Thanks again. Till next time.